You are listening to the Quarter Transmissions, Episode 7. And now, here are Craig and Jeff. Think of your fellow man, lend him a helping hand, put a little love in your heart. You see it's getting late, but please don't hesitate, put a little love in your heart. And the world will be a better place, and the world... Hello and welcome to the Tricorder Transmissions. I am Craig. And I am Jeff, and this week is episode number seven. We're going to be talking about the episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? Oh, and I cannot wait to talk about this episode. I know, me too. I I don't want to tip my hand, but man, is this a great effing episode of Star Trek, the original series. Agreed. So let's (laughs) let's skip ahead to some other stuff so we don't get too into this because we want to hold off until we're actually watching it. Yes, yes, and I don't want to feel like uh, like we're rushing through this introduction to get to the episode, but on my way home from work tonight, I got out of the red box, Star Trek Into Darkness, which I haven't seen since I saw it once in theaters, so I'm kind of anxious to pop it in the Blu-ray player and, uh, and watch it tonight. I know you picked it up uh, on Tuesday when it came out. Yeah, yeah, uh, so we... I know we talked about how upset we were with the Blu-ray and, and the various other releases of this and I opted to pick up the Blu-ray from Best Buy simply because I had a $5 coupon and it made the movie 14.99 for the DVD Blu-ray combo pack so I figured you know what score. it's a score it's cheap that way so that's that it was a pure financial decision I got to tell you I I was in um Target the other day mm-hmm. and uh on their end cap uh, by the registers they had uh, a display for all the new releases that week. And they had the DVD version of uh, Into Darkness, and then they had that combo pack. And I got to tell you, I know that the studios are trying to get people to buy Blu-rays, but the packaging, the cover artwork for the Blu-ray was different and better than the cover artwork for the standalone DVD. I totally agreed. I yeah. totally agree with you on that. I, I was pretty actually pretty impressed with the Blu-ray slipcover that goes over the, the, over the box. It was pretty good looking packaging mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's uh and i'm sure I, I i'm sure there are people out there that are um such big fans that they actually buy every variant um in terms it. of you know the dvd and then the blu-ray dvd combo pack just so mm-hmm. they can get all that packaging and uh you know that's a rabbit hole i haven't fallen through me but, uh, either you never know uh when you might slip in although uh, i can say i am a little disappointed uh, at this at the the disc release of this because the 2009 version mm-hmm. I got at Target and it actually came with a model of the Enterprise and the disc the movie disc fit in the saucer section oh that you could is pop awesome. it open and I was yeah. thinking you know they I was hoping they would do something like that for for this release but no, no such thing and I was I was hoping to get something new and cool but yeah Target's actually done a couple of really cool uh releases I know with a lot of the Marvel films I have a and the first Iron Man movie I have in like uh uh Iron Man's head yeah I've um, seen yep and then also um they did um the the Incredible Hulk uh where it was like a brick wall that you pull apart and the Hulk pops yep. out don't you have that Optimus Prime one yes too? yeah from the first Transformers movie it's uh the the DVD packaging actually turns into uh the robot version of Optimus Prime so uh yeah, Very it's cool. sad. I, I, you know, I really haven't seen any gimmick packaging at Target in a while. So, yeah, uh, I guess that's kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they're gonna wait until they put out a super deluxe gift set of, uh, of Into Darkness. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So, what else do you have for me this week? Well, uh, didn't you mention that you had uh, oh, saw another book? Yes, these are the voyages. Um, um, I, I don't have the information in front of me because I forgot we were gonna talk about it. But it's basically a book, um about season one of the original series um let me look it up real quick um and basically what this guy's gonna do is he's gonna do um a book for all three episodes of the original series um and there's been some really really good early word on this um the author's name is mark cushman and he wrote it with susan osborne 
with a forward by John D.F. Black, who was wow. what an associate producer on the uh, the first season, uh, the first couple episodes of the first season, and also I think wrote a, an episode or two. So uh, so I'm going to read a really quick write up on the book. In the late 1980s, Gene Roddenberry and Robert H. Justman gave Mark Cushman permission to write the definitive history of Star Trek. They backed their stamp of approval by providing documentation never shared with anyone before. After more than two decades of in-depth research and interviews, this extraordinary work is ready to be shared with the galaxy. So, wow, I didn't even know that until I just read this. So, man, this looks like um, it might be the definitive word on uh, Star Trek, the original series season one. Yeah, it sounds really good. I had read the description the other day when you mentioned it to mm -hmm. me, and it, it definitely looks like it could be a, a, a gem, even yeah, after so, all these years, you know? Yeah, yeah, and apparently there's a lot of really really cool stuff in it and and uh you know a lot of stuff that people didn't know uh it is available on amazon and you can also find it just by googling these are the voyages it will take you to the uh the publishing house um that put it out and so and interestingly enough the uh if you order it through amazon it is not prime eligible oh of course <laughs> just to mess with me so my holiday list is getting bigger and bigger uh and it seems all star trek based Oh, well, nothing wrong with that. You load up your place with even more Star Trek stuff. So hopefully when one of us reads it, um, or both of us reads it, maybe we can devote a, a whole episode to talking about These Are the Voyages. That's a great idea. Maybe we should do that. All right. So uh, what else we have? Let's see. Uh, how about we segue into another book uh, that you talked about last week, the Juan Ortiz book. And yes. it, it appears that Juan Ortiz is not done. Oh, wow. Cool. So I have a couple of Juan Ortiz pieces of news. So the first thing is he is now uh, progressing into doing the animated series posters oh, in the wow. same vein as he did the original series posters. And I think there's been three uh, releases of three posters so far. Oh, nice. From the animated series. And also up for pre-order uh, from Juan Ortiz for January of 2014. If you order now, you can get uh, the some of the posters on shot glasses. Oh, that's neat. Yeah, so you know you what? Really I like them. I think I will definitely do that. I'll probably pick, uh, you know, some of my favorite episodes and, and and some of the you know the the high you know the best artwork that he did in my opinion, and, and maybe get you know maybe a, a half dozen or so of the shot glasses. Yeah, I'm, it sounds like they look pretty cool. I saw a picture of them online earlier, and they they're, they're definitely looking pretty good. So get the pre order in before they sell out. Ah, awesome. Let's see. Um. Not necessarily related to the original series, but uh, kind of tangential. Patrick Stewart, uh, Captain Picard, got married. Oh, good to, for him. To uh, jazz singer Sonny Ozell. I hope I'm saying that right. But uh, he, he tweeted about it and sent out a really cool picture of him and his wife uh, in a ball pit. It was pretty funny. <laughs> I actually saw a picture of Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen in Times Square today, hmm. um, I don't know what the source was. It was on one of the sites that I visit, you know, on a daily basis. And it was the two of them with one of those street performers who was dressed as Elmo. And it was one of those real cheap Elmo suits. Where oh, I love those. <laughs> Elmo was almost sort of like one of the eyes was definitely not pointing the, the way it should have. Yeah. In, <laughs> if, if anybody here uh, is it lives near in proximity to New York City and has yet to walk through Times Square and see the egregious amount of knockoff bootleg character costumes that roam around that area. You owe it to yourself to check them out. In fact, I have some pictures of these bootleg characters that I took on my last trip up to the city a few months back, and I'll post them on the website with this episode so that you can see what some of these pathetic things look like. <laughs> That's great. And it's funny because it seemed like they have finally sort of headed east after invading um, the street in front of uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater. And Las Vegas. Um, and then also the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, I know last time uh, I, we were in Vegas, um, we saw some some pretty questionable costumes but i guess somebody finally said hey you know Times square is jumping why not um, there's money to be made <laughs> why not cash in i've got my picture taken with a couple of the ones in vegas just for the hell of it the guy had a really nice looking barney suit so mm -hmm. i had to jump in there uh let's see uh, some star trek anniversary posters have been released from the uh the uk's generation gallery neat uh, first broadcast of Star Trek, uh, there's a Kirk poster, Spock poster, and an Uhura poster so far. Uh, 30 pounds 
and British, so you'd have to convert that to U.S. currency. Not sure what the current exchange rate is, but they are out there, and they look really cool. So if you're into that kind of stuff, grab some of those. Oh, sweet. Let's see. Uh, new pinball machine coming out based oh. on the 09 and, and 13 Trek films. Wow. Coming okay, out. who's making it? Uh, Stern is making okay. it. So nice. pretty famous pinball machine. Uh, it will be offered through authorized Stern distributors and dealers and available in three versions. So you got a pro version, a premium, and a limited edition, topping out at about eighty eight hundred bucks. Starting at about fifty four hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully we can find uh we can find a place to play it when it comes out. Yeah. Who who what what, what arcades get pinball machines around here? <laughs> There's a um um a ch- a chain called the Tilted Kilt. Um I'm not sure how widespread they are, but it's sort of like uh a different sort of riff on Hooters, but instead mm-hmm. of the Hooters girls you have girls wearing like kilts and uh you know tied off shirts and you know uh the leggings and everything okay um but i was there um a couple days ago and on the way out buried in the corner um we found a an acdc brand new acdc machine pretty sweet So, so who knows maybe when that's run its course uh it'll be time to bring a new machine in and maybe they'll bring in the star trek one yeah that sounds that maybe so i'll have to check that out yeah and finally so we've got a little bit of confirmation that the next Trek film is actually being written. Ooh. Abrams is not going to direct, as we know, because he's too busy with Star Wars. But he's now recommending a guy by the name of Rupert Wyatt. Okay, that's who, a name I'm not familiar with. He directed Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. Yeah, so uh, that that's uh, the guy that Abrams is pushing for to direct the next Star Trek film. All right, cool. So, I actually saw uh, the only time I've seen uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was on a plane. Um, coming back from somewhere, it, uh, I'm not entirely sure where that would have been. I'd have to look at the date and see where I was coming back from. But uh, um, it was, you know, one of the many, uh, one of the few films that I've actually seen for the first time on a plane. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a good place to watch them if you happen to get on one of those planes that has one of the nice little multimedia touch screen things. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. Pick what you want to watch. Mm-hmm. Kind of different than the old days. So, so the same writers. Uh, I, you know, I don't have all that info. I think right. it is. But right. I think Orsi's involved in um, Ertzman. Ertzman, yeah. I, I think that's what I read. I, I didn't write that all down, but yeah, I should have. So I watched Into Darkness on Tuesday night. Uh, you haven't watched it yet, right? Not you yet. As today. soon as we're done, I'm gonna I'm gonna pop it in and uh, you know get some popcorn right. and, uh, and go to it. So perhaps next week we'll discuss uh, our because se- it was my second watch. I'd only seen it once in the theater and never uh-huh. again. So this was my second time seeing it. And uh, so this will be your second time seeing it. So we can discuss our findings, our second go around findings next week. Yeah, I'm actually curious to see it again because I, I wasn't 100 percent on board with it in theaters. And uh, I remember and that, this yeah. time I am going to look for the uh, for the R2D2 cameo as well. Yeah, I saw a freeze frame of that the other yeah. day and uh, I, I didn't have the wherewithal to try to find it myself. <laughs> I was like, I just don't have the time to mess with that. Yeah, so but- um, if you find it, let me know. Achievement unlocked. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. So um, I guess before we get into it, we'll go over some of the details of what are little girls made of, um, air date and whatnot. Yeah, sure. So the episode first aired on October 20th of 1966, and the remaster aired on October 6th of 2007. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And I have a real quick um, synopsis. The Enterprise finds archaeologist Dr. Roger Corby who has been missing for five years, living underground on a deserted planet with a group of sophisticated androids. All right. Yeah. So I, I, I got you know I said it at the at the at the start of this. I cannot wait to watch this episode. With Me you. either. So you want to get to it? Sure thing. All right, man. So here we go in three, two, one. Okay. So here we are. Yep, what are little girls made of? Hopefully, at some point in the episode, we'll find out the answer to that question. <laughs> Something tells me we won't. But uh, look, this is interesting because we're opening up on a shot here, and it looks like that that was not remastered, that that, that one shot of the view screen mm-hmm. with the planet coming out. The planet on it was remastered, but it looks like there's a lot of grain around the outside of that. So I'm not sure. I noticed some spots in some other episodes in the remasters that um, there were certain scenes that looked like they weren't done. Yeah. So maybe there was a reason why there was some, maybe they couldn't find, uh, you know, any footage that they could clean up. They had to use something from an older 
sure, yeah, backup yeah. safety copy of the yeah. film or something. I'd imagine they all. It would be really interesting to sort of uh, maybe talk to people that were involved in the in the restorations yeah. or the remastering and, and see, you know, what kind of choices they made and mm-hmm. you know if it was you know they had X amount of dollars to spend. Yeah, and you sort of drilled through and decided which episodes and which sequences were worth devoting uh, time to. Planet X O three. Yeah. So while we're while we're getting into the the very beginning of this episode, before we get into any of the meat, this uh, is one of the episodes that um, has a, a really cool extra, which is available on the Blu-ray. So uh, the uh, the previews that are available on the Blu-ray, where they they cut previews for all of the episodes, are kind of like teasers, right? Yes. The teaser for this one has some dialogue that was recorded by Shatner specifically for the preview, oh, but awesome. not used in the show. Yeah. So there are other ones that are like that. So, uh, but th- th- it's kind of one of those things. It's a if you're a true fan and you really want to be a total completist, you want to watch those previews. So if you do have the Blu-ray, you have access to the Blu-ray, definitely take a look at those previews and and watch them because you'll see some some uh, extra shots and some extra dialogue. That you may not get from the episodes themselves. That Pretty probably cool had to drive people nuts back. Oh. In the, you know, when I guess when this was in syndication and they saw the next week on or yeah. whatever or tomorrow on, and they're like, "Hey, there's scenes here that aren't in the episode." It's almost like when you go to the movies, and you know, they use stuff in the trailer that doesn't end up in the final cut. That's really cool. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. Yeah, now that I've actually watched all three seasons worth of the remasters now i've gone back and started watching some of the other documentaries that are available and started watching some of these previews that are available they're pretty cool when you when you take a look at them oh awesome awesome so um one of the main things in this episode is really the focus sort of on nurse chapel right getting into her her backstory and Mm -hmm. why she's on the enterprise yep um, so it's, it's kind of cool. It's, it's almost like her, her origin episode, if you will. Um, yeah. And it is really the only episode in the entire series that pro- that features her this prominently. She's yeah. always more of an ancillary character. So this one really gives her some, some extra screen time. Yeah. And that was, uh, Nurse Chapel was played by Majel Barrett. Right. Who Jean's eventually wife. became, uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry. Um, so, uh, Jean had worked with her on the, the TV show, The Lieutenant. And he was really just looking for a way to get her, I guess, onto the show. And rightfully so. She's a talented actress. And uh, she would stay with Star Trek for the majority of its its life. Um, yeah, in various the, different the capacities. Next generation yep. and stuff. Yeah. Um, this episode um, was also directed by James Goldstone, who directed the second pilot where no man has gone before. Mm. So a little bit of... Uh, Director trivia there. This would be the only other episode he directed. Yeah, and speaking of, of the um, the uh, the background data on this episode, uh, from what I have read, this the script for this episode was in really, really bad shape and had to be rewritten a bit during the actual creation of the episode. So um, there were some of the scenes had to wait until the script was tidy up a little bit and the yeah. new pages were delivered before they could shoot them. Yeah, well, it was written by Robert Block. Mm-hmm. who um, is probably most known as being the writer of the novel Psycho, which inspired the Alfred Hitchcock movie. Um, and he's went on to have a, you know, just right. a, an incredible career as a, as a writer, mm-hmm. as a screenwriter, um, and was also a, sort of a, a pupil or a, a disciple of H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, which is kind of neat. Wow, and, yeah. Because there are references in this episode to the old ones. Yes. Which is kind of an H.P. Lovecraft right. kind of concept. Exactly. The other thing about this episode that really kind of... Oh, here we get a, a, a interesting photo bomb. You've got yeah. just these two people on the bridge behind Kirk and Spock <laughs> and Chapel. Yeah. What are they doing? This is like early Star Trek episodes where they hadn't figured this out yet. Yeah, they're just kind of hanging out there. They're photo bombing. Yeah, it's like man. a look at they're just kind of smiling. <laughs> yeah, like what purpose were they serving on the bridge? They were just listening into the conversation and smiling. You know, I, I, well, I guess you know there there maybe you could justify that by saying that they were they were taking an interest in um, Nurse Chapel's uh, five plus year missing fiance discussion going on there and how she was going to be reuniting possibly reuniting with uh dr corby but you know that that begs a question man if if you were engaged to somebody and they vanished right 
and you hadn't seen or heard from that person, nobody had in five or more years, would you really consider yourself engaged anymore? I mean, that's a tough one, man. I mean... Hopefully uh, it's a situation that none of us ever find ourselves in. Yeah, true, 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 true. Let's hope so. So it looks like uh, there's a little uh, glass shield or force shield there. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're seeing the inside of a of a cave so yeah. it's an interesting set i kind of like this you'll see this kind of a cave over and over again in in many different points in the series but i really love these interior shots like this kind of that weird purplish blue lighting yeah another another great example of how they use lighting on this show i, I really loved it mm -hmm. yeah and they they beam down to the planet with um two two red shirts yeah. So yeah, the, the, yeah. This this episode definitely feeds into uh, the red shirt mythos because uh, both of these guys uh, don't make it back to the ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is one thing I want to talk about when the when the first guy sort of meets his his end. Mm. So here are the the two red shirts beaming up. Yeah, um, I guess we can talk about it now. One of them falls down a bottomless pit. Which in itself is a paradox, by the way. There is no such thing yeah. as a bottomless pit, right? But is it possible that Scotty could have beamed him up? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think so. I I mean, like, I'm not 100% like so. versed in how the transport no, yeah, technology yeah. works, but... I agree. You lock on to him. And you suck him back up, right? Yeah. You suck him back up. Well, you know, the thing that, that bugs me when you think about it, right? You think about the concept that it's a bottomless pit. Like the guy falls into this pit. So now if, if it's truly a bottomless pit, right, his corpse is still plummeting at terminal velocity when Picard's butt first hits the captain's seat in the next generation. Yeah. That guy's body's still falling. Mm -hmm. It's a bottomless pit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I mean, it can't possibly be And they're on a planet, pit. so did he fall and clear out the other side <laughs> and into space, I guess? I don't know. Then so, he's not really in the pit anymore. He's in space. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. So we're going to get introduced to uh, Doc Brown. <laughs> right. <laughs> Corby's assistant. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Who doesn't recognize Chapel at first. No. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, kind of a, an omen as to mm. uh, the fact that there's something strange going on. Right. Right. Kirk and Chapel almost fall fall off the cliff, which is kind of a, yep. I guess, a little... Uh, you know, a little foreshadowing, foreshadowing, foreshadowing that you could slip and fall. Yeah. Um, so Doc Brown is played by Harry Bash, mm -hmm. um, an actor who was active from 65 to 87. He's still alive. Wow. And he's probably most known as um, Vincent uh, Caproni on Falcon Crest. Get out. Show from the 80s. And my mother used to watch that all yeah, the time, man. Yeah. And he also wrote a series of books about... Um, RV vacations um, <laughs> with his late wife, Shirley Slater. So uh, kind of really? interesting uh, little career there. And oh. he's enjoying retirement. And yeah. the red shirt has now fallen. We are learning yeah. about the bottomless pit. And Doc Brown mm -hmm. says um, he, he's done. Oh. oh, and there's our first glimpse <laughs> of Rock. Yes, who has to sort of curtsy away because I guess... He's yeah, not, he's not supposed to be seen yet, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, but I think it also seems like maybe like his clothes were too long and yeah. he wanted to make sure he didn't well, step on his cape and fall. An interesting fact about Rock's costume, uh, to, to test out the makeup and the costume, they uh, on, on, this, on the lot, they had a, a guy coming on set to, or on the lot, to talk to Gene Roddenberry about uh, costumes. So what they did was the guy thought he was meeting with Roddenberry, but instead they sent Rock in in full costume to test how good the costume was, and the guy was actually scared of him. That's this is what I I had read about anyway. So uh, th this poor guy thinking he's going to be meeting with Gene Roddenberry gets confronted with this uh, this automaton, an android looking guy. <laughs> yeah, who was played by Ted Cassidy, Lurch. Yes, Lurch from the Adams Family. Yes, sir. And also prepping this episode, mm -hmm. I learned he also did the opening narration for the Incredible Hulk TV series. Get out! Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't. I. I and that's you know, it was pretty one of those cool. Where I cross referenced like four times. I'm like, I got to be sure before I bring this on air. Wow. So uh, and he also uh, for the first two seasons while he was still alive, unfortunately he he passed in 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 '79. Uh, he provided a lot of the grunts and growls that you heard from the Incredible Hulk. Huh. So, kind of a neat little uh, career he had. 
Very cool. Yeah. One of these things this episode really made me think about watching it now is there's a lot of talk in sort of the scientific community about mm. the year 2045 is the year that sort of man's going to become immortal. Um, hmm. You know, there's this big push by scientists that, you know, or, or a mm-hmm. certain branch of scientists that say, you know, it, by 2045, we'll have the ability to transfer. Our intelligence. Yeah. Yeah. Into. Yeah. So that that's the actual. We haven't really gotten the reveal yet on the episode, but that's the overall theme is uh, transferring of the human spirit yeah. into a mechanical android body. Right? Yeah. And what makes us human and. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. really, really interesting because as I've, you know, there's, there's, there's been a couple of TV specials and mm. web articles devoted to this whole 2045 movement, mm-hmm. and it really makes you think, you know, like, um, how is humanity going to change, and yeah. and how much is technology sort of affecting how we live our lives, and also mm-hmm. with the way technology is developing, by the time we got to the era that Star Trek takes place in, yep, would Star Trek be the way that it is it's almost like you know i mean you have to assume or you ha- you know you sort of have to you know come to grips with the the fact that it's a show that was made in the 60s so it's only gonna sort of work from how science was in the 60s right 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 right, right. society was in the 60s but it's interesting to think that in the 23rd century life as we know it's going to be very 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 different and it's going to include more than just space travel oh absolutely so yeah, I mean, what would you what would you do uh, if you were faced with the choice of having your uh, your life being transferred into an, an android body? I mean, would you would you go for? That? I mean, so we're going to learn in a little while that these 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 androids themselves. There's androids, and then there's then there are androids with human spirits transferred. And there's two different, really two different things. So you know, I, what are the real negatives to transferring yourself? into that android body other than the fact that i mean you could break the robot itself could break down after a while but you could replace your own parts maybe i don't know mm-hmm. so i mean there's, there seems to be a lot of advantages and very few disadvantages but uh, as we'll see here later on maybe some some disadvantages will mm-hmm. avail themselves you could also argue though that the human experience is ultimately a journey that somebody yeah. takes from birth to death yeah and when you take death and old age out of the equation mm-hmm. it changes what fundamentally it to changes right human yeah i mean you're when you know coming to grips and i don't want to get too deep into philosophy in this episode uh, you know real life philosophy but when i think mortality is something that we all share and something that we all have to come to grips with in our own way if we no longer had to come to grips with mortality what would that mean for us in general? Yeah. And what would that mean for the population in general? I mean, if nobody ever died anymore and we yeah. just transferred ourselves mm-hmm. into robots. Yeah. Well, that was another interesting thing yeah. that was brought up on one of the uh, TV shows that I was watching is they said, right now this movement is sort of being pushed by very, very wealthy. There's a right. Russian billionaire. Yep. So at what point mm-hmm. does it become something that's accessible to the masses? Yeah, or is I, it just something that's available to the ultra-rich? Yeah, I don't see this as something that would be available to uh, the general populace as a whole. So uh, on a quick side note, we, we mentioned Rock's costume before, but I also wanted to mention uh, Sherry Jackson. Yeah. Uh, her costume... From what I read, I read some interviews that she had given, you know, after the fact, and where they talked about. She talked about this episode. So when she was in costume and on set, you know, in in the in the commissary or uh, just walking around, she would get a lot of appreciation from the uh, the men yeah, it's who pretty, happened to be around. It's a pretty switched on costume. Yeah, man. it definitely is. Yeah, and Sherry Jackson um, retired from acting in 1980, mm-hmm. still alive. Um, so just I guess enjoying an extended retirement. Um, she's was known primarily probably for this episode um, and also uh, playing uh, Danny Thomas's daughter on the Danny Thomas, Thomas show. show. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And if you go to her website, you can uh, order an autographed picture of her, her as Andrea, I, I, among I, other things. That's really cool, man. That's really cool. <laughs> and we've also been introduced at this point to uh, Dr. Corby, yes. played by uh, Michael Strong. And now check this out. Check out the strength of rock, man. That's yeah. great. And here's the big reveal. Yep. Doc so Brown Doc Brown was a, was a robot. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he so pretty he cool. Acted like a robot. He did, but we get to see the strength of Rock. Yeah, 
which I, I think Rock is awesome, man. I really love him as a as that kind of villain character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very intimidating. He's yeah. huge. He's bulky. Yeah, and, and he drives a lot of the, the plot as we get to the end of the episode. Yeah, um, yeah, he does. It's, it's, this episode ramps itself up. I mean, it, it really does. emotional by the end. I mean, yeah. Um, I don't know if it was the fact that, you know, I've been so interested in reading about this whole 2045 movement up. Uh, and Rock can imitate voices as well. Yeah. So how sophisticated are these androids? Yeah, yeah. In 2045, could we change our voices? Exactly. Could yeah. I be Craig Cohen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, this episode I found to be really, really moving. Yeah, definitely. In a lot of different ways, too. A lot of different ways. You can see Kirk is, mm-hmm. he's having a tough time with this as, as yeah. his voice is being imitated here. Yeah, and Ted Cassidy so, stood 6'9". In this yeah. episode, they really, Huge, really make it man. look like He's he intimidating. Is. Um, over six nine. So, um, rolling back a little bit to Nurse Chapel, since mm-hmm. this is, a, is an episode that focuses heavily on her. So we saw uh, a hint in the past that Nurse Chapel may have some feelings for Spock. Okay, yeah, right. Uh-huh. So now that she, now that it's revealed that she has a fiance, right, who is actually still alive, as far as we know. What what do you think that means for her feelings for Spock? Does, does she do you think that she still has them somewhere in the back of her mind, or was that just a temporary thing for her? Was it kind of just because of the um, the illness that was affecting them? Yeah. What do you think? Do you do you think that was the real thing? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think mm. um, you know dealing with a situation where your fiance is is missing. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. With no, you know, and you don't really know if they're ever coming back, mm-hmm. you know, you can't shut that part of yourself off. True. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and in all fairness, based on this episode, I don't know how much of the real Dr. Corby we're seeing, but he's kind of an a-hole. Yeah, he is kind of an a-hole, you know, and, and, and his whole spiel here at the beginning where he's insisting that, uh, you know, they not they not talk that he has something that Kirk needs to see and he doesn't want Kirk to talk to the ship mm-hmm. until, you know, he's had a chance to really tell him the whole story. You know, it, it just reeks. It reeks of, of fishiness, <laughs> you know, and look at look at Rock is just eyeing Kirk down, man. He's yeah, really, really intimidating. So, you know, and one really another really cool thing I think I like about Rock is that I, I think that the way that the costume and the makeup for Rock is done really speaks a lot to the way uh, androids and robots, humanoid androids and robots, were viewed back in the '60s, mm-hmm. right? So was there a was there a, a, a fear? I mean, technology was really starting to grow, you know, back then, and, and yeah. things were, were were starting to advance. And I I don't I don't want to say that there was you know some sort of a a real fear out there, but you had to wonder what people thought when they thought about you know. Uh, androids and, mm-hmm. and and artificial human beings is this what is this what their vision what the general populace maybe what their vision of a of an android would be and how dangerous mm-hmm. it might be to have robots walking around among us yeah right yeah and i mean at the time a, a, a lot of the robots in in movies and tv were probably of the oh and oh wow kirk takes a big body slam there um, you know, they were, they were more like, you know, Robbie, the robot or, right, right. you know, um, the day the earth stood still style robots. Right, right. Yep. So yeah, seeing a, a human or a, you know, a, a robot that, that looked, you know, human, yeah. um, like in the case of Andrea here, you know, it's, you know, she's pretty much, uh, arguably the first fembot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually she's arguably the first, you're, you're, I think you're about dead on that one. So Speaking of which, you know, I was thinking to myself, uh, this this episode, I, I've seen this many times. I, I, I really have a, a fondness mm-hmm. for this episode, but it, I, something occurred to me the last time I watched this episode. I thought to myself, if, if I ever found myself in this very situation, if I could beam myself into this episode, first thing I would do is I would make a beeline straight for the Android warehouse and see if they have one that looks like Brent Spiner. Because <laughs> goddamn... These androids, Andrea, she looks so, she looks so realistic. Why did, why do robots a hundred and some odd years before the next generation Mm -hmm. look so much more real than data does? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I I was thinking to myself that same thing. And these are, and these androids essentially have the same functions. Yeah. Right. They're emotionless. Mm -hmm. Right. But they don't know how to process emotions. So they're almost exactly the same 
as uh, as data would have been in the next generation, right? Yeah, but, but I, I think this is a different technology. This is almost mm-hmm. a lost technology. Right. In the sense that it was developed and created by these old ones. Right. Um, and then I don't think this planet's ever referenced again in, in Star Trek. I could be wrong. Eh, I don't know that answer to that question either. Well, we'll we'll discover it together as we travel along uh, on this 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 multi episode okay. journey through Star Trek. But uh, you can almost assume that this was an advanced technology that was basically mm-hmm. lost, mm-hmm. and then man developed its own sort of android technology at the you know yeah you know yeah, as yeah. you know as as they went along. Yeah. Well, it's a shame Kirk couldn't uh, couldn't bring back a sample with them. They could have had it back then, right? Yeah, they could have had their own. Uh, their so own we'll see here shortly that they have the technology to create more of them right there in that 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 cave that they're they're in. So I mean, there's yeah, all you need is some clay and a and a, a spinning board. And right? a sp- yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? We'll make as many as we want. <laughs> oh goodness! Put on a play. Mm-hmm. So we should maybe talk just a little bit more about Michael Strong here. He died Great. in 1980. Mm-hmm. Um. And he actually uh, had a, a pretty long career. He was in um, the film Point Blank, which was um, a Lee Marvin movie. Yep. Um, he was also in Patton and the Great Santini. Yeah. And he was also uh, on a, a bunch of TV shows in the 60s, including mm. The Green Hornet, uh, Naked City, The Fugitive, I Spy. Nice. Which is a show that I don't think a lot of people talk about anymore. No. Uh, Mission Impossible and The Streets of San Francisco with Michael Douglas. Wow. And then also uh, Hawaii, Hawaii 25 Yeah. All right, yeah. So uh, quite a career. It's interesting watching these episodes and seeing the guest yeah. stars and how many shows, shows this, you know, were the same. It seems like every episode we've talked about, somebody's, somebody's guested be- on, you know, <laughs> yep. Wagon Train mm-hmm. or Hawaii Five O or yep. Mission Impossible. So now we have the start of uh, them making their their Kirk android. So this is the second time mm-hmm. in a very short span of episodes where Kirk has been duplicated. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've seen every episode of of the original series at least a couple of times each and i don't does anybody else ever get duplicated is it only kirk yeah i mean if we're not counting like the mirror universe yeah i don't really mm-hmm. count that because that's that's everybody that's an alternate universe an alternate yeah dimension. No, I, I think you're right so from what i what i read they had to shave kirk's chest for this scene <laughs> and so kirk here um mm-hmm. is gonna learn that they're gonna transfer his or, or, or copy, or yeah, copy, his, copy him his his memory, and he does something, yeah, really, really interesting. Basically, he starts shouting almost like a mantra, yeah. Um, I guess to really ingrain that into in the, the android, android mind, yeah, yeah, uh, and also as sort of a, a to leave a trail of breadcrumbs crumb, for Spock, to, yeah, because he, yeah, I think he realizes that uh, the the plot of foot here is is that. Corby is going to use the the android copy of Kirk to try to take over the Enterprise. So uh, I think what Kirk does here is really cool. It's really smart. Mm-hmm. Is that he's injecting something. He's so he knows in his own mind that the android is going to be an exact duplicate, right? Yeah. So what can he do to differentiate himself from this android so that it would be possible to detect the fact that it's not really him and to in to to the the mantra the, the, what he's going to repeat or what he's going to shout out is an insult to Spock mm-hmm. and Spock would know that Kirk would never say something like this. Yeah. So I think that was really ingenious. And Kirk, he really shows his ability to think on his feet here in a crisis situation yeah. and, and come up with this, with a solution to something that's going to be a really difficult problem very shortly. Right. I never understood why they had to spin him around for this. Yeah. Is there some sort of centrifugal force? Maybe the, you know, Kirk's, spirit like smashes up against the side of his head and it can suck it out i don't know yeah well and this is just the body molding part of it right 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 you know great stuff yeah. wonder how they built that yeah it's almost like a merry-go-round yeah it's what's like a lazy susan there? but without the the, the fixings for tacos or something, right 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 you know? yeah there's no bottle of ketchup on that no salt and pepper shakers it's kirk and kirk yeah it's a pretty cool shot though from above it's kind of mesmerizing to watch yeah. And yeah. There's dials at play and you know, looking looking at Rock uh standing there, you you 
you get a, a, a glimpse because Rock was built by the old ones. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And 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 Corby built the other ones. Yeah. Or no, actually no, Rock built uh, Rock transferred Corby into yeah. an Android, and then Corby built the other ones, mm-hmm. right? So you can see the change in uh, in design almost, if you will, or, or the, you know, the vision of what these androids would have been like from the old ones, because Rock's the last one left, really. Yeah. And uh, so Rock modeled an android for Corby that resembled him. Yeah. So then future androids are all based on, you know, Earth human yeah, yeah. physiology, as opposed, to, as opposed to the old ones. Yeah, as, as opposed to a, a monster that's designed basically to protect. Yeah, yeah. And you still have to wonder why they... Old patchboard, man. Yes. You really still have to wonder why Andrea was created. Because Corby makes Oh, I know exactly why she was created, man. He makes it clear that there's no shenanigans going on. No, but you got to have something to look at. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds really bad, but you got to have something to look at. You're stuck underground with Rock and Doc Brown. You got to... Come on, man. (laughs) So here comes the uh, the mantra where he, he basically uh, he's yelling yelling out to Spock and referring to him as a half breed, which yeah, it's something that he would never ever say. I mean, I think that speaks a lot to his relationship with Spock mm-hmm. is that he knows Spock so well that he's able to to think of this as a way for Spock to identify there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. It won't tell Spock right off the bat what it is, but he'll know, okay, something has changed yeah. here. There's something that either, you know, has a hold a, a, on Kirk or, or yep. something to that effect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The the other scary sort of concept that comes to that comes to mind here, at least for me, was so they've made a, a, a duplicate of Kirk. Yep. He's got his his memories, his experience, mm-hmm. um, but is able to be programmed. Yeah, that's the scary part. So it, it makes Look you, at that smirk. Yeah. <laughs> it, it makes you wonder, though, at what point is the android, is does it have any kind of human, human struggle, struggle? Yeah. Saying, you know, it goes against my character to be deceptive, deceptive like this? Yeah, you would wonder because it is an exact copy of mm-hmm. Kirk. So shouldn't it have Kirk's emotions morals, and morals yeah. uh-huh. and standards as well? This scene, by the way, is... I think this scene call something into question for me mm-hmm. uh, the conversation that occurs here uh, is kirk is going to this is actually the android kirk but, but chapel doesn't know that yet yeah. but he's going to put her in a position that's going to question it's going to put her on a fence between her loyalty to her duty and her captain and her loyalty to her fiance mm-hmm. and i it i find that i mean it, i understand she's in a tough spot I find it a little bit concerning that she that she she's still divided. She actually asks him not to put her in that position, right? So don't put me in a position where I have to choose between my fiance, who I haven't seen in five plus years and didn't bother to come look for me or anything, yeah. And my, you know, the captain who and and the ship who have arguably saved me from dying, who knows how many times, yeah. You know, and cared for me and been my my friends and and uh, you know colleagues for years. You know, I understand, you know, you're in a position where you found your long lost love and everything. But I think if I was in her position, it would probably be an easy choice for me to make. Say, listen, you know what? If it came right down to it and I had to make the choice right now, whether to save my captain and my ship or side with this guy, I would I would go with the captain of the ship. You know, sorry, you know, Corby, you had your chance five years ago, six, seven years ago, whatever it was. And, you know, he doesn't even really seem all that concerned with her. Yeah. You know, it's nice that she's there and all, and they give a hug and a kiss, but, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any romance going on between well, the two of the them, thing, right? And it, and it almost speaks to the fact that even though Corby's essence was transferred to this android body, something mm. was lost. Yeah. It could be the fact that he's been living mm. sort of a disconnected uh, existence for five years. Yep. Um, but something about him, his humanity, mm. has been sort of distorted or, or, or diminished. Yeah, and... It, Maybe that that's something from we talked about earlier where, you know, now that he's essentially immortal, maybe he's just decided to start dismissing those human qualities mm-hmm. and start thinking, you know, long term android. And, you know, what am I going to I'm going to how can I use what I have to to, you know, create an, an empire of my own or, or mm-hmm. you know, because so, he obviously has a way to control 
other androids that he creates. Yeah. So, you know, now he's starting to think long term of creating a population of uh, of other androids that are under his reign mm-hmm. or his control. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it brings up an interesting sort of concept because mm-hmm. as we get towards the end of the episode, we learn that that is his plan. He wants to sort of repopulate. Mm. But uh, so it, it, instead of reproducing um, in the traditional way, that's ultimately yeah. what he wants to do. Um, but for different purposes. Right. So uh, he'll take actual human beings who are alive and create androids of them. Mm-hmm. So he'll have a, a, a varied population of people. It won't just be copies of himself and, and Kirk and, and uh, Andrea and whoever else that you know happens to be around. But he'll actually recreate entire, an entire planet's population as robots, right? Yeah. That's a weird thought. Oh, it, it definitely is because even the the interactions would be different because yeah, you know there would be certain wants and needs that you wouldn't mm-hmm. have. I, right. If you're in an android body, do you have the desire to be intimate with well, somebody? Right. Well, obviously, uh, Andrea is not. She's yeah. not programmed to handle it. Maybe the humans who are who are who are copied into androids might, but obviously they don't need to eat. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So that whole facet of life. Mm-hmm. is gone for yeah. you mm-hmm. you know and, and what would it be like to be a person in a body that you're not even doing normal human things anymore sure. how fundamentally would you mm-hmm. change over time if you no longer had to sleep yeah. you no longer had to breathe mm-hmm. you no longer had to eat or drink yeah. it, it would it would i think it would fundamentally change the human experience and we just would become something completely different over time oh definitely and 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 i think that the mind has sort of been shown as an incredibly powerful mm. tool because even when I'm not hungry, I still possibly think about, oh man, tonight I'm going to eat a hot fudge sundae. Right, right, right. Um, so in a wired into an, an Android body, body, am I still going to think about wanting to taste that hot mm-hmm. fudge sundae? Yeah. <laughs> you and, know? Uh, you know, and, uh, it, uh, on a technological level, Think about the you know the human brain right we mm-hmm. we can essentially we don't know the limits of our own memories yet yeah. but theoretically you can keep storing stuff in your brain infinitely right mm-hmm. but in these robot bodies knowing technology how much storage space does the android brain have would they I mean maybe this technology is sophisticated and they don't have to worry about storage space anymore but if you think about the technology that we have today, I mean, your phone, your your smartphone has a certain amount of storage space. Your computer has a certain amount of storage space. And all of these memories, images and sounds and smells all would take up space. Mm-hmm. So they must have some sort of storage solution that's inside these Android bodies that would be able to store memories. Also, you'd run out of space. You'd have to erase memories or, or offload them onto some other sort of device yeah. or whatnot. You think they're zipping them? You, you, zip files you, you compress have a compress them down a, into a zip file and well you know if you, if you compress your your video and audio memories down too far you're gonna have some quality loss <laughs> so i mean comes, we're talking probably what uh, what's bigger than a terabyte um well they have petabytes now right yeah so you know you have this and they have uh, i forget the term for bigger than a petabyte so you know you have these uh they have these server farms you know that these large companies like google have that have you know, billions and billions mm-hmm. of terabytes out there of, of data. But uh, on a side note here, we're, we're seeing, we're going to see an interesting, uh, so Rock has been, has been commanded to obey Chapel. Chapel. Yeah. Which is something Kirk made we, Corby, Corby do. do. Yeah. Another anticipation yeah. of potential. So that's a little bit opposite of what, what happens in other episodes. Kirk sometimes seems to charge in without thinking yeah. about what's going to happen later. But in this one, he kind of put in a couple of safeguards so you know, Rock is now chasing down Kirk. He's been uh, he's escaped from the from his little prison there. But we're going to see that uh, maybe Nurse Chapel is going to side with Kirk after all, because mm-hmm. she doesn't want him to be hurt or or killed at the hands of Rock. Yeah, and one concept that sort of carried over into um, future sort of android movies in T two mm-hmm. the. Um, the, the evil Terminator had the ability <laughs> to replicate people's voices yeah. and use it to lure people out and um, you, as they're standing there holding a sort of phallic plaster. Like, yep. 
like Kirk here. You know, and it great. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because something that I had written down for myself to talk about near the end of this episode was you see you're going to find out and I'm, and I, you know this is a spoiler because we haven't reached the end yet, but you realize that the the ancient the old ones who built these androids in the first place uh, these androids became sentient and the old ones became scared of them, which is almost exactly the same thing that happened in the Terminator yeah, films, yeah. right? With Skynet. Mm-hmm. Skynet became self-aware yeah. and started to exterminate, you know, human beings. So it, it, th- there's a big similarity between the Terminator and, and this storyline here. So, yeah, I wondered in my own mind if, if this this may may have been one of the inspirations for that that story not necessarily derived directly from of course but you know maybe it might have been something that that sparked that idea yeah and it, it's funny we saw as kirk was dangling off the cliff here uh that he had his boots on mm-hmm. um whereas the android kirk is wearing his his starfleet uniform yeah which makes me wonder did they have an extra pair of boots mm-hmm. or is the android not wearing the boots which would be an yeah, obvious be a, giveaway a total giveaway to anybody on total board giveaway that, you know, why is why is kirk wearing you know a pair of non-standard Nikes? yeah non-standard yeah. slippers or boots or something and we see rock save kirk mm-hmm. so maybe rock isn't so bad after all he's actually a pretty cool guy yeah i think also at, at that point rock knows though that it's yeah something kirk has to be kept alive yeah um and we're and we're back on the enterprise which uh very little enterprise in this episode yeah very very little very 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 little um sort of driven uh, away mission and and this is where the android kirk is pretty much going to show his uh here is his hand another thing that kind of bothered me about this episode Mm -hmm. is that you know the the android kirk is sent up to the ship to get a hold of the ship's itinerary, which is printed on paper. (laughs) How much paper do you see in Star Trek? Yeah. Very, very little. Mm -hmm. So it it, it boggles my mind as to why they would... I mean, maybe it's some sort of of tradition to print this on paper, but you would think it would be in some sort of a computer behind a a, uh, a voice print lock or some sort of a lock on it so that only Kirk... Or a spot could get to it, but mm-hmm. instead it's a it's a printed paper in Kirk's personal safe. You know, this is sensitive, sh- and here now here Corby has a hold of the ship's itinerary. So to prevent something like that from happening, why would this not in some sort of super secure digital format? Yeah, but at the same time, is the ship's itinerary that big of a well, issue? You know, I mean, well, you if you if you had it, you would know where the ship was stopping, and uh-huh. you could potentially ambush them. Yeah, somewhere along the way, I don't know. Um, now here's um, a sequence that was a little hard for me to figure out at first. Yeah. So, so Kirk's going to basically, um, really, for lack of a better word, mind f yep. Andrea here, essentially. <laughs> But it just goes to show you, Kirk will make out with anything. Yeah, alien, robot, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But at first, at first watch, most people <laughs> would think that he's just he's getting his rocks off with an android, which is you would the case. think. But <laughs> there's a another part of the uh, the the interview with Sherry Jackson that cracked me up was that he he apparently during this scene Shatner kissed her so hard it made her lips puffy and <laughs> and took all of her lipstick off. So she 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 was saying I, I forget the exact quote, but she said something along the lines of "When he kissed me, he really oh, kissed me." That's so, great. As you can see, there's no uh, there's no lipstick there. Mm-hmm. So. But yeah, it seems like he he was really just intent on really just really screwing with this android's basically programming, um, and basically I guess get her off of you know. Uh, off step, if you will. Yeah, well, he, I think to try to counter program, mm-hmm. since she was programmed by Corby for certain things, he's yeah. trying to introduce some things that she can't necessarily process. And I think he he knows that they're capable of more because mm-hmm. obviously the androids that you transfer human consciousness into or a duplicate of are capable of of free thought, right? Mm-hmm. So perhaps Andrea herself is also capable. That ability just hasn't been turned on yeah. or hasn't really been tweaked. So now he's introducing some of these things. It's almost like teaching a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's kind of... 
it's a smart it's another smart move by Kirk. It just goes to show you how he can think on his feet. You know, mm-hmm. in a crisis situation here, he's obviously in a tough spot. Yeah. You know, Rock is not going to let him get away. Yeah. And he can obviously can't take Rock out. No, we've seen that already physically uh Rock's going to win. And Rock is is now pretty much detailing the history of the mm. old ones and um and what happened. And it's a pretty pivotal scene because yep. it basically gives Kirk the ammunition he needs to really, you know, change Rock up. Yeah, I, I, yep. It's actually, I, lo- I really think it's a cool story. It's one of the reasons why I really, it, it's this episode that takes a while to really build up to something, but I think you, you, the more you the more you watch and the, when you get up to this point, you realize how deep the story in this episode is and, and you know, what was at stake mm-hmm. for, you know, the old ones versus their creations yeah. and what could potentially happen again if they're allowed to uh, get off this planet and populate more of these androids on another planet, what could what could potentially happen all, all over again? Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting because this was an episode that sort of asked questions mm-hmm. in the 60s that probably had different implications then. And in the 70s, mm-hmm. when you watched this episode, it was yeah. probably slightly different in terms yep. of where we were from a technology standpoint, mm-hmm. and now today, yeah, look at whole, today, this whole movement, it really, it still resonates yep. today, but also it, it has us asking different Good questions. questions. Well, um, I, I just saw a, a video a week or two ago. Uh, it was a, a Japanese company had, had was demoing a, an a, a hyper realistic android. It wasn't the full body; it was the was from like the from the waist up, mm-hmm. but. The, the 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 it was a robot it was talking and the facial movements and the lip movements uh, was creepy mm-hmm. oh yeah and rock has been disintegrated that is such a shame yeah he was creeping up on his uh on his boss yeah man his master that's a real shame because rock was pretty awesome man did they ever make like a rock uh figure of any kind i don't know i'm gonna have to yeah. look for that you know a lot of the uh a lot of the the, the star trek villains or or uh, alien characters popular ones got made into figures or or yeah. ornaments of some yeah. kind or another you think even back then like he would have been perfect for like amigo doll oh but great oh yeah some kind of an action figure would have been awesome yeah i would love to have one i'm gonna look around if if there is one it's probably worth a fortune at this point or cost a fortune yeah uh-oh and now we're yeah. finding out that corby himself yeah without rock to protect him kirk was easily able to man oh totally well you know you, you have to wonder though He's a he's an android, but he's not. He doesn't possess any sort of a, a, a superior physical strength to a human. Yeah, that almost seems like one of the things they sort of yeah in this episode was if they're replicating somebody. They're replicating them. I guess if you replicated somebody in a wheelchair, could, they would be in a wheelchair. I'd um, be a little bit pissed off though <laughs> if I was handicapped and you replicated me and didn't fix my handicap mm-hmm. you know because you think that would be something easy to fix yeah. right when you if you transfer me into a robot yeah well that's the question too you know is corby what he looks like or if you put corby mm-hmm. in a generic looking you know sort of body with a faceless exactly. sort of shapeless <laughs> receptacle is he still mm-hmm. corby which is that's what he's I, arguing yeah. at this point and i think you're gonna see nurse chapel she 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 can't she can't accept him yeah. as as a human or as as his has himself mm-hmm. in this robot body. Yeah, and, and she pretty much indicates that there's something yeah. different about him. And she's and, right. Yeah, and you also wonder how much of it is the fact that his consciousness was sort of transferred to a robot, and how much is it living on a planet for five years with nobody else but right. android but companions except for Doctor Brown. Yep. And we got Android. And you know, here's another instance where you see um, the original uh, phaser pistols from the the, 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 the pilot. pilot. Yeah, the cage. Yeah. Um, and here is where and, you know, and, and that that takes care of the derp, the duplicate Kirk. Yeah. By the way, that's how they wrap that one yeah. up. Yeah, and that you know that's completely you know based on sort of you know how Kirk had gotten her off her off her game. Yeah, now she's she's questioning a whole bunch of yeah. things. You know, it's uh and and here we have one of my 
I, I think I would rank this in one of my top 20 favorite wow. moments of the original series where we get the embrace between Corby and, and Andrea and, 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 and the triggers pulled and they, and they, they're destroyed. Yep. Yeah. Kirk compels them pretty well. And I think he's got, he's got Andrea so confused. Yeah. You know, he starts, she starts to, to question things and Corby is kind of starting to fall apart here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it gets really, really amped up. I mean, watching this again for this episode, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I had gone from sort of a relaxed position on my couch mm-hmm. to sitting up to edge of my seat. You know, it, yeah. it, it it's really, you know, that kind of episode. It, it, it really hits some emotional notes. It gets suspenseful. It does. Um, you know, it, it definitely amps things up to a point where you need that release. Mm-hmm. And we get it. We, yeah. It mm-hmm. delivers. Mm-hmm. And, and the android is declaring that it is it's Roger Corby. Corby. Well, almost like it's trying to give you know, itself. I, yeah, well, I think it is convinced. And, you know, in a way it is, but in a way it isn't. Yeah. So what is the answer to that question? Yeah. We, we really don't know. And it really comes down to a matter of opinion, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, is the consciousness in the robot really him? Or is it because he's he's now uh, in an android robotic body? Is it no longer, does he, does he cease to be? Yeah a valid human being. Mm-hmm. And that brings up questions about, you it's know, tough choice. what, you know, what intangibles there are mm-hmm. related to what makes me, me and you, you, and right. you start talking about the concept of yeah. the spirit. And are we more than just a bunch of chemical reactions inside of our heads? Yeah, exactly. Know. So here we go. We're, we're ramping up, ramping up to the end of the episode. This is, this is the, uh, the embrace and uh corby pulls the trigger here. i right? think it, so oh no 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 he doesn't have a phaser anymore yeah, does, but, oh but, but he reaches down yeah. i think and 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 hits it it's interesting that this was sort of his his um the option that he chooses um yeah. you know to to end their their existence and oh, yeah, so he he presses actually, her hand down. It's kind of a cool way to go. Oh, it to is. To be honest like, with you, it, 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 it's 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 a, a great moment in, in Trek for me. I mean, Chapel's yep. reaction, um, uh, you know, machine that makes a decision, um, yep, or you know, a human machine. <laughs> um, so as we're getting to the end here, I guess yep. we have to talk about whether time, this uh, is an essential so, episode. So, and, and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm. I'm not 100% sure yet which way I'm going to fall. Oh, man. It's funny you say that because I was going to say the same thing. So, uh, yeah. I think we have to weigh it against it being a really, really good episode. Yep. And is there anything in it that makes it essential from a continuity standpoint? So, I'll I'll run down a couple of thoughts that I had about the the essentialness of the episode. So, we have no real development for major characters, Mm -hmm. but you have a lot of development for a minor recurring character so nurse chapel so does that put it over the edge Um, i'm not quite sure uh you have a a, an iconic what i consider an iconic villain type character in rock Mm -hmm. i think rock was a great example of uh, of trek aliens uh uh, the robots and and and, uh, villainous figures i Mm -hmm. think he he really stands out but does he stand out enough amongst the the really iconic mm-hmm. villains of Trek, hard to say. Uh, I I will. I'm gonna go out on on this this bad edge again, and I'm gonna probably make myself look like a perv. But I think that uh, Sherry Jackson is probably my favorite Star Trek babe mm-hmm. of the original series. I think she's the most beautiful woman that they've had on the show. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great thing. I I think that's that's a standout part of this episode. And I'm sorry if that sounds like a bad mm-hmm. thing, but I can appreciate these things. Um. The overall theme of the show itself, I think, is what may put it over the edge either way for me. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the the, the uh, human spirit being transferred into an android body is a huge conversation that you could have over and over mm-hmm. and over again with people. Even you know, you and I could probably talk about it for hours. Yeah. And I know I have other friends of mine who I could probably talk about that subject for hours on end. So uh, I, I think. From a thought-provoking standpoint, I think this episode is great, and I'm 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 on the fence. I'm not sure where I fall in this episode, but having just watched it and realizing 
that 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 even after seeing it so many times, it can still evoke this kind of a reaction mm-hmm. from me. I I think that I'm gonna fall on the essential side. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm gonna agree with you here, and I think also we can get away with certifying an episode as a, as being essential if it's just really effing good. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? I, I I'm gonna agree with that. It, it this obviously this episode has elicited a great discussion. Yeah. And has listed an emotional reaction mm-hmm. from both of us. So I, I think in that respect, it yeah. garners a, a positive vote from both of us. Yeah, yeah. I will definitely say it's essential. And uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. And as always, um, it's awesome to sit here and talk Trek with you. It's great. And uh, thank you uh, to anyone out there who's listening. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I guess we will see you, or not I guess, we will we'll see, see you, you next week. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for tuning in. Schedule. Dr. Corby has considerable cargo to beam aboard. I'll have to go over our destination schedule with him. You're going back down with the command package? Mind your own business, Mr. Spock. I'm sick of your half-breed interference. Do you hear? Yes. Very well, Captain.